Welcome everyone to the Spiritual Underground Podcast. This is Dan coming to you as always at the studio at DTM Enterprises, which is actually my little wood shop in my backyard. So to spin right out of there, uh, go to dtmww.net. Uh, I do a little handyman work around the Louisville metropolitan area. Also, you can contact me from that. Uh, go to Amazon and get 12-Step Spiritual Recovery by James Christopher Cohn. It is this... Uh, more add to um, improve the quality of your life in recovery 12 steps that uh, we talk about in here we just I just shared here about the methodology being used in that and uh, it really is uh, uh, and not the and optimized method of uh, working the steps Darren Frank's music is wrapped around this podcast uh, we'll be again today and go to spiritualunderground.org for show notes pictures of the guests and also a contact me page there also so uh i'm I, I would love to hear feedback i get some emails from some of you folks out there i really do appreciate it uh the fact of the matter is is that i'm doing this in order that people maybe need this help can get it also uh and i'm willing to do that and if you want to call me or to contact me through that contact me page uh i'd be more than happy to uh to, to help if in whatever manner i can and uh also welcome any feedback on what you like about this podcast what you don't like uh and for and take another step you know i can do this thing remotely too so if you want to be a guest on the podcast contact me uh i think i have like an infinite number of guest potentials i don't think i'm ever going to be running out of potential guests uh but i'd like to hear your story too so uh come carry the message and, and share it so this is the second half of a double header today uh you guys won't hear it that way but uh this is and and so some of this may sound a little bit redundant from a, from from a previous podcast but uh mark and marshall are here today uh mark's time up at the microphone now marshall just told his story uh mark sponsors marshall and uh marshall just hit one year and so it's somewhat of a little celebratory thing in my mind of coming here and, and doing this double header under that new fresh one year energy because I know as a sponsor that's super freaking cool too man there's nothing much juicier than giving away one year tokens uh, and uh, hearing these stories and, and doing this so uh, I'll just repeat that same thing that I'm in and, you know, and now feel stupid for even saying that but so here's how these people come into my life they're down from about an hour away from here and uh they're uh going to 12-step meetings and they meet another gentleman who happens to talk about some podcasting and then and one of the, and, and they like listening to audio too so that brought them up to uh the podcast and then also got touched into the meeting that the podcast is named after which is a spiritual underground meeting here in louisville uh they come up and visited it uh, I didn't, you know, I know when new people come in, but I didn't put two and two together when I received the email from Mark. Uh, I had a little trouble visualizing who I was hearing from on the, on the um, email compared to who I see in the meetings. And, you know, I kind of giggle at that, too, because, like, the people I see, if I see you outside of a 12-step meeting sometimes, it's a little bit different atmosphere. It's like seeing you with a different backdrop, you know, and I'm going, is that that same person? Now, you know, obviously the people I know well, that's not a problem. But if I've not known you really well, I'm not sure if I know you from that or if it's just, a, you know, if it's a mind game. I'll tell you another place where it comes in big time is people in a yoga studio. If I see somebody that I've met in yoga at the grocery store or if I see them even otherwise even maybe out to eat where they're 
you know, in the complete like dress up kind of clothes, like nice clothing and stuff versus yoga studio clothes and ponytails and uh, no makeup. And of course, I'm speaking a female primarily there, but even males, uh, <laughs> I don't uh, I have trouble recognizing them outside of the setting of where I met them. So to get back to this, I read this uh, market sent me and I just can't thank you enough of uh, that feedback and, and a, a very touching and well thought out email talking about the podcast that touched my heart. And uh, that set off a, a relationship where you know, I pretty quickly replied back to it and back and forth. And the next thing you know, I was in touch with Marshall, too. And you guys were coming to the retreat. And the rest is history, as they say. Yep. And uh, a new friendship, new friendships have bloomed. And, uh, and it's just cool because that's what we do here, right? I mean, ultimately, uh, I had... I have had read some stuff lately of some people like taking some hits at some of this stuff. And I understand I've found myself in this one little corner of 12 steps recovery that wants to like pick at everything, all these like be real critical. And that's not in my nature. I'm actually thinking about having to leave that little area of the universe. Uh, the flip side of that is, is I keep on getting wrong with that. Be the, be the change you wish to see, mm. you know, and if I leave it, then I've abandoned that opportunity. Right. But uh, that opposite of addiction is connection. That uh, I think it was Johan Harris is where I heard where he's got a YouTube video out where that is said. And that's where I heard some people taking some pot shots at that little statement. Uh, I don't understand the that being critical of this stuff. Uh, I want to add to not take away from. And uh, so that's where I was going with that. It's additional connection with more friends and more people on the same wavelength. And my net cannot be strong enough or deep enough or wide enough as far as I'm concerned of people who are walking this thing in the, in the same direction. Uh, hand in hand doing this thing together so thank you all for for being my friend thank you for uh you know joining in this thing man because i golly what a blessing it is to have that i didn't always have this right you didn't right. Either. i mean i didn't always have this and a lot of groups don't have this this That's connection true. at the level that we have been you know bonding at in this group that we've got going on uh so mark welcome to the studio this morning after that big six minute intro <laughs> thanks dan uh I'm, uh, I'm uh, so to follow up on that, you know, uh, you're writing, you're sharing your different things that I've heard from you. You kind of discount yourself at some level. We all do. I like that. You know, there's also something to that humility that I'm not trying to like be something. This is just, I'm just here doing my deal. Uh, but you also have a really cool way of uh, presenting yourself in it. And, and again, it glows and you glow and you're that, that is that attraction is in full force. And, uh, so that's another thing about like, uh, why you know that intuition we have through these 12 steps is doesn't lie to me very often anymore so when i see that i don't really question it too often you know and i see you and i hear you and i'm like yeah man i, I like what uh, i want what you have there you so, go uh, yeah yeah so welcome to the, the show way. um had you thought about doing this yeah you've asked me a couple times and i keep putting you off and my head wants to tell me it's because, well, I prefer to write things down. I can, I can read it and reread it and rewrite it and tweak it and get it just right. Whereas if I'm sitting here and it's real time and we're looking each other in the eye, it's, it's, I'm going to miss stuff and it's yeah. not going to be right. And while that certainly plays a part, ultimately it comes down to fear. This is, this is something that's uncomfortable. Um, but, uh, you know, the, I, 
that's fine. Yeah, that's, that's part of well, what we do here. So, yeah. and it feels uncomfortable on a certain level, you know. But I mean, so the flip side of that is like it's a lot more comfortable standing in front of a room of people. I think, to me, it seems. I don't know. I might be that. Might not be everybody's experience. Uh, what I do notice is that time after time, after a little bit, this microphone disappears, and the guy at the other end of the table forgets about it. Okay. And he's just here, and we're just talking. You know, and I kind of can actually feel that shift happen at some point early in almost every episode. I feel that where it just the microphone disappears and you're just talking to me, just like if we were sitting at the kitchen table inside the house with no microphones. Uh, I like that aspect of this thing. Um, so uh, glad to have you here. We'll start in the same question that we start with everybody that comes to the Spiritual Underground podcast because it is, you know, my I put people in my phone as their sobriety dates and their really? birthdays. I don't put their birthdays because uh, so it comes up and it says uh, on, on August the 12th, it said Marshall was one year old. <laughs> uh, so your sobriety date? 11-23-2017. Uh, 11-23-17. Very yeah. cool, man. And I don't think that's your first sobriety date. If I no, remember it's right. not. We'll get that. We probably ought to get to that. And don't jump straight to there. We'll start the way we do start. So, uh about like where were you born, what what kind of family, that kind of stuff, and and how how did how did Mark come about? <laughs> uh, well, um, I was born in Little Rock, Arkansas. Uh-huh. Uh, see, I always get to find see, I get to be the recipient of this stuff that's uh, new news, and I like that. Cool. I'm an Arkansas, year, uh, born, raised, um, had a great home life. Um, alcohol really, it was. Like Marshall shared, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to Marshall's podcast, go back and listen to it. It's really good. Uh, that the, there was beer, you know, in the in the bottom of the fridge. Uh, but my father was uh, would only drink, you know, one or two every other day. I mean, it wasn't wasn't a problem, but it it, it also wasn't uh, taboo, right? So it was just it was just there. I didn't think anything of it. Um, really had a great childhood all the way up until uh, I had to go out and interact in the world, uh, which means school. Um, So, you know, normally this isn't part of my uh, uh, share, but... Like we to get to like to a we get to go thing. into some things a little deeper here than yeah. you get the opportunity to in our normal environment. So yeah. I like that aspect too. I think so it's important. I was... I was picked on. I'm, I'm smaller than most people, and I got I got teased a bit. Um, and when we would let out for recess in you know uh, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, uh, I would get chased down and 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 I don't want to say beat up's not the right right word. You know, kicked at. But I mean, you're five. How much you know? How much of an injury is that? Uh, but I, I I learned right away that 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 I would hit the ground running at recess, man, and I would do circles around the perimeter of the playground, uh, and I, you know that the, the whole like beat up thing probably only happened maybe half a dozen times, but in my head it was, you know, oh I gotta run, and I, well, the threat I stu- was always there. Yeah, yeah, uh, but I, I think there was a a, a little bit of. Um, return on investment from the, the bullies you know if they're running it's, it's much easier to catch old uh sam over there who's got a twinkie in his yeah, mouth right. he's just not going to be running that fast they can go yeah. tease him yeah so they left me alone for the most part 
predators do go after uh, easy opportunities. That's right. But uh, I mention it because uh, it was a pattern of behavior that's going to repeat itself later on in my story. That when under threat, Mark runs. Right. So you and I have that in common. Yeah. My biggest conflict resolution tool is Bolt. Bolt. Yep. Yep. That, and back in the seventies, uh, I walked home, and it was miles. And I don't think they'll let you do that now. But you know, I'd I'd I would walk different run different paths you know so that i couldn't get pinned down and chased down and ambushed um it's another thing we have in common <laughs> really so is. you I know ran back to this very house we're sitting at yeah a million different routes between down there and here and i knew all, all of them and i did not do the same ones two days alleys. in a row man i was not going to get patterned absolutely so while, you know, the playground and after school was uh, unsafe, I did find refuge in the classroom, and I excelled there. Uh, you know, academic all-star, kind of whatever. I don't think they put that label on it, but I, I did really well in school. Um, not much else to say there other than, like, um, I, I don't remember really my first drink but I remember the first drug I had was a cigarette. Mm. And I mentioned that because of the way that it hit me and affected me. Uh, I was probably 15, 14. And uh, one of my friend's stepfathers smoked. So we would steal those cigarettes. And for months I'd been like puffing on it in your mouth, but not like really inhaling it. But kind of, I wanted it to look that way. You know, blow some yeah, smoke like, out your nose like cigar, or whatever. Cigar smoking it almost. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but we were upstairs in his uh, his bathroom. I was sitting on the ceram- those big cast iron ceramic tubs, and I inhaled for the first time, dude. It hit me like a freight train, and I fell over backwards and hit my head on the. And I was just giggling like a schoolgirl. I was yeah. like, "Woo!" And all I could think, more of this, please, more of this, please. Yeah. So, uh, and keep on bell ringing, man, because I have a similar <laughs> experience, man, of that he- that that heady buzz off of a cigarette really early on. Yeah, uh, like having to sit down. You know, I could not. I was so buzzed up, I had to like brace myself and find a spot to sit for a minute. I remember I was on a sit at a windowsill at a pizza joint down across the street from my high school. I remember that feeling, man. More of that, more of that, and yeah. that that quickly. I was uh, uh, very much into seeking out new things so pot came along alcohol came along psychedelics came along you know basically whatever i could get my hands on yeah Uh, and it wasn't too hard to get any of those things even alcohol uh you know back in i guess this was the late 80s at the time so you know i mean there were laws but i think everybody has that uh good friend who it 15 or 16 can grow like a full beard right. and just roll up in there and walk yep. out with a 12 pack. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So I sidled up next to that guy. <laughs> yeah. We always had people that would buy us alcohol. We had, if yeah. it was an adult or, or people, friends who looked old enough and, uh, they just weren't as tight, you know, and the same thing with the cigarettes and stuff. There probably was a law about being how old you had to be, but, uh, it never stopped me from buying nicotine. I was rolling in, getting cans of dip and cigarettes way before, you know, and I'm pretty sure the laws were in effect. Yeah. 
oh, just yeah. weren't enforced. Oh, they had signs and whatnot, but psh, yeah. I mean, come on. And who knows, man? Maybe if I'd have walked in the liquor store too, they'd have served me too. But I just wouldn't. They never have the balls to do it. Right, right, right. So, um, I just want to sell the product. <laughs> this was the era of uh, Nancy Reagan's tough love. Do you remember that? Yeah. So, uh, for the most part, I didn't have consequences to uh, the partying that I was doing. Uh, I did get caught several times uh, by my parents. Uh, you know, they'd find a, a steamroller, which is kind of a glass bong looking thing or whatever. So they knew what I was doing and they were, you know, not under my house kind of thing. And uh, at one point they uh, they threw me in a uh, psych ward for like a week or whatever, straight jacket, Thorazine really? the whole nine. Yeah, oh, lots, lots of fun. Uh, because and, of the drug abuse, because of the using, or because you were other behaviors? I think they were just scared and trying to figure out why in the world I would do drugs and other things. And, you know, from their perspective, I can kind of see it. I mean, perfect yeah, childhood. Yeah, we look crazy. I'm doing great in school, you know. What, why is he throwing this all away? But it, to me, it didn't look that, it didn't look like I was throwing anything away, you know. Just having some fun. And it's it's new mind opening mind altering experience. How can this be anything but grand, you know? And um, oh, fuddy duds! <laughs> so they kicked me out of the house when I was uh, sixteen. Really? Yeah, can't live under my roof. So, uh, wow, I was I think I was still in school, um, but I dropped out shortly after. But I'd already taken all the entrance exams to the. Uh, colleges and whatnot so this must have been my senior year and uh i had a full ride scholarship to colleges and whatnot so my thinking was well they've already accepted me what do they care if i have a high school diploma or not right i mean come on i'm going anyway i'm gonna have a degree who needs a who needs a high school diploma so so yeah i dropped out of school and Started working at a gas station, living in a little little hovel down in the seedy part of town. And uh, I still have trouble with these pop do. top cans. We just got two yeah. new uh, sparkling waters here, and it's going to sound like you hear that. And, and I didn't drink out of a can for a long time because a can of beer was my deal, and that sound uh, was a problem for me. Triggers. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, so you're in high school. You already got a full ride scholarship academically. Yep. And and so when they boot, so you're like, well, <laughs> like oh, it's almost like oh, I was just going to leave early. Hell, yeah. I was going to right bounced and just why not party for the rest of the school year all through the summer. Boom, let's do college later on. Uh, that ended up not happening. Matter of fact, I mean, if I look back on everything. Uh, I've kind of led a bit of a semi-charmed life, honestly. I mean, I, I did crazy stuff, but at the same time, I've had all these like wonderful blessings and synchronicities put in front of me, and and I mean, much more than staring a gift horse in the mouth. You know, I'm picking that dude's teeth, man. I'm yeah. just shitting on the whole deal. But uh, uh, my parents came to me uh, before college started and said, "Hey." Uh, we're going to Germany uh, on a tour. He was with uh, the Veterans Administration Hospital. He worked for them, so 
Department of Defense is what runs that. So he uh, put in for a transfer to Frankfurt. And you were subsidized based on your dependents. Uh, so they would have more money for a nicer house or whatever in Frankfurt. Is If they could get me to go along, uh, you were dependent up until you were 21 or whatever. And I was just about to turn 18. I'm like, drinking age over there is 18, right? I'm like, oh, okay, well, what are the rules here? Because you guys have kicked me out, man. I mean, what? They were like, well, you yeah. can have your What's own. What's the payoff for me? Right, right. Well, it's in it for Mark. And so, you know, we worked out a deal. And uh, so I spent three years over in in Europe just traveling around, partying, you know, couldn't get pot over there, uh, but we could get hash, yeah. no problem. Yeah. That, that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, so I had kind of an I've odd job Frankfurt sort of thing. I've been hash in Frankfurt myself, another uh, yeah. thing we have in common. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I partied over there three years and traveled all over Europe uh, and then came back and then... Uh, looked up my old friends in whatever college town they were in, moved there, and uh, took the entrance exams again. I didn't get a full-ride scholarship at that point, but uh, I, could, I got into college, no problem. Um, let's see. Dropped out. Yeah, never got a degree. I was going to be a uh, chemical engineer, environmental engineer, save the planet. But, man... And I just like smoking weed and drinking beer. And, yeah, this college thing was just a drag. Uh, you know, you actually got to show up for class and whatnot. So My biggest problem was homework. It was coming home in the evening and doing the work I was supposed to do in the evening. Class was okay. <laughs> I couldn't even show up for class, man. Really? I'd, be, I'd, I'd sleep until 3 p.m. and get up and go, oops. All right, well, yeah. start over Dang again. It. Yeah. Tomorrow will be different. Um, but I met, met my future wife. And um, she didn't have the problems I had. Um, she could go to class, academic, blah, 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 got her degree. And so we decided we were going to move. We were shacking up. We were going to move to Memphis so she could get her master's. And I would work to support us while she got her degree. And then once she got her degree, she could get her job. And then I'd go back to school. That was, that was how that was going to work out. I always have grandiose plans. Yeah. None of that ever comes to pass, but I have a plan. <laughs> so shortly after we got married, we bought a house and uh had a friend who was in trouble. He started living there and I came home one night and she was in bed with him and yeah, okay. <laughs> So and it wasn't because was, the heat was out. Huh? It wasn't because the heat was out. No, 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 no. Uh, but, but you know, it wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't have a part to play in all that as well. You yeah. know, I was drinking and using and out and not paying attention or whatever. I mean, it's a two, relationships are a two-way street. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, the, the, you know, the flip side of that was, hey, Mark got hurt. I ran. I left there with the clothes on my back and my laptop computer. And I was gone, left town, left the state. Um, and that right there, something inside me broke and I didn't want to let anybody get that close ever again. Hmm. Right. So I was just on the run. Um, but I clean up nice. 
uh, well-spoken, I guess. I don't know. I can put on a suit and talk my way into a job. Um, but I would never stay very long, year, two years. I think probably the longest I've ever been in a job before I was in sobriety was uh, by point two and a half, not quite three years. Mm-hmm. And then I would get bored or they would fire me. Or I would think that I was about to get fired, which usually wasn't the case. Yeah. And, I, and I, boom, you know, just put everything in the car, you know. I'll fix this. Yep. So, you know, state to state. Um, let's see, my first DUI was, I guess, in the early 2000s. And... I beat that ticket. It was one of those where, you you know, it's your first one, everybody's fine, you have to go to some classes, uh, pay off the lawyer, and it gets shuffled under the carpet kind yeah, of thing. Spend a little money, really. Yeah, yeah, that's what it is. Are, Absolutely. Uh, yeah, it was a few grand or whatever. I don't whatever. think they really care if you're at the class. They care if you paid for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I think that might have been, like, the first, like, real introduction to where to AA, where they forced you to go get your little paper sign kind of thing. I don't remember who it was, 12 weeks or, or what have you. Uh, but, you know, you're sitting in the rooms and you see the banners on the wall and I, I can read the steps. I'm seeing God and God Screw and Screw that. Spiritual and, yeah. you know, you know, I'm an intellectual. You know, I, I pray at the, uh, at the altar of science, man. I don't, I don't, it's a bunch of, it's a bunch of voodoo hoot nanny. I don't yeah. need that. So that wasn't going to work for me, you know. That just wasn't an option. And I go out and uh, back to the madness, man. And at some point, uh, my drinking got to the point where my pancreas swelled up, mm. uh, pancreatitis. I don't know if that's a bad deal. Yes. Your, your your organs swell up. They got no place to go. It's kind of like a uh, that, that alien uh, movie with the, with the thing that shoots out of your chest, yeah. except it. It never leaves. It's one of those other little things that we soft sell, you know. What that really means is you're going to die soon right. if you don't do something. Right. That's what they told me. <laughs> They're like, oh, your liver's jacked, dude. They're showing me the MRIs and whatever. They point to these like, and I didn't hear that. I heard, well. I got a little inflammation. <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I need to switch to beer. That's what I heard. Lay off the hard stuff. So I lay off the hard stuff for a while. I don't know, you know, uh, but I'm back to it at some point and just, I just know I got to taper up to it. I got to walk a fine line, man, but I'm young. The body heals, not a problem. Um, the whole time, man, I'm battling my head like the, uh, the past, uh, I'm starting to, at this point to drink to shut down the memories. You know, I've just got this internal monologue that never stops, man, and can argue its way out of any box that I try and put it in. So I'm trying to shut it down. Um, and alcohol did that for me, you know. Um, kind of to give you a, a sort of feel for that insanity, uh, I got pulled over one time by the cops drunk and I was maybe three blocks from my house but it was blizzard snowing whatever uh and the cop gets out and we do the field sobriety check and somehow I pass a thing 
And he says, okay, count backwards from 100 <laughs> by sevens. And I'm like, well, wait, what? And I couldn't believe that, like, the first thing out of my mouth was, dude, I couldn't even do that if I was sober. Right, yeah. Somehow that didn't fly out of my mouth. I don't know how, but uh, I actually did the math. And, and I counted backwards from 100 by sevens. And I probably missed one or two. I kind of have a, it was one of those, like, jolts of adrenaline, like, oh, shit, I got to do math, dude. And I was, like, suddenly sober there for a second. So I have this, uh, like, ingrained memory of, shit, I think I skipped, like, 51, you know, or whatever. Yeah, yeah I missed a number. <laughs> but I guess I got enough of them right. Seven. He let me go. And, uh, you know, a normal person would go, well, you know, either I should stop drinking, or at the very least, I should stop drinking and driving, right? Because now I got to do math, and I've already had one DUI. No, none of that even entered my mind. My and I went to was, the BMV. They never said a word about math. Nothing. <laughs> my solution was to spend every night as I was going to sleep counting backwards from a hundred by sevens, <laughs> and I could do it. Big time. I got pulled over in 2010, and uh, I had to read this on the police report yesterday because I remember none of this. Uh, I got out. I did the field sobriety, you know, touch your nose and walk the straight line. And the guy said, uh, count backwards from 100 by ones. And as soon as I read that on the report, I'm like, oh, shit, this is not good, man. So apparently, according to the cop, I got down to about 60. And I said, dude, this is way too easy. How about I do it by sevens for you? <laughs> Off to jail goes Mark. So, you know, I, I had invested hundreds, thousands of hours at that point in account backwards. But of course, I'm going to do that. It just doesn't occur to me to stop drinking, right? Never. Um, yeah, I just I, learned how to do it better. I just always had to figure out where the magic bullet was, whatever it was. I've, you've heard me say about like getting DUIs. I do it because I had a tail light out, so I did a pilot checklist before I would leave the house. You know, walk around. If I had a friend, all right, turn on left turn signal. Turn on right. So check, check. Vehicle's ready to fly. Let's go, brother. <laughs> so, I'm not yeah. gonna stop drinking and driving. No. And. uh I think around that time I'd been hospitalized for another bout of uh, pancreatitis again. And uh, uh, that time uh, they quit giving me the pain meds, you know, intravenously. And I'm like, well, what the hell am I doing here? So I just pulled the IV out and walked out to the hospital. You know, I'm like, okay, I guess we switch back to beer again. Yeah. I mean, it just... Yeah, it was never never a thought to to stop entirely, um, and I smoked I smoked pot on and off uh, heavily there at first uh, before age twenty one. Um, but that's how I know that like I'm not an addict. I could always just drop that like a hot rock hmm. if I ever needed to. You know, if I needed to get a job, uh, I stop and pass a drug test, um, but. But alcohol was always on the table, always part of the equation. I could never put that down. Like, even when I would try, something would happen, I'd pick it back up. So, um, I don't really think I'm an addict, although, you know, who knows. But, 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 but alcoholism, yeah, definitely, man, I just can't, I can't quit. 
always thought, um, from my experience, I would fill whatever it was with something. You know, I would constantly just swinging through and patting myself on the back that I'd stopped this. I've stopped methamphetamine, you know, but I'm, I've moved on to something else, you know, and yeah. I'm doing, you know, and uh, even when I went from cocaine to methamphetamine, I looked at it being some kind of difference and, uh, and there was some gap in between it, you know, but I didn't register it. I know that I'm, you know, cause I, I just like the, and I, and I get that uh, we are wired for certain things like how somebody might do food, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, so uh, we, I think there is a predisposition to, 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 to lean towards certain chemicals and food would be one of them uh, and maybe not another. Uh, in a pinch, anything will do for Dan. That's right. Yep. Anything. Uh, anything will do for Mark as well. Whatever, whatever you got, especially if you're buying. Yeah. You know, but absolutely. Um. So, I don't know. I did that for about 20, 25 years. You did a trip, just, man. That all of a sudden, wild. like, you remember, that's the way my story to go. So, I got to this point, and then it's just like, they just I just jumped on the merry-go-round. Yeah. And I just went around and around and around in a circle for 25 years or something. Yeah. And, and I really don't know. I mean, I can, we sit down and talk, I can tell you some things that happened in that window. Right. But ultimately, really what I know is I was just going around and around and around in the same damn merry-go-round. Uh, and I might switch a horse now and again, you know, on the merry-go-round, I might jump off one <laughs> yeah, and get yeah. on the horse next to it or now and again. Right. But, uh, it was the same thing. And it made it flash forward like at 25 years, bam. Boom. Yep. And I don't really, you know, it's hard for me again, not to do that little thing. If I, if I knew I was going to be retelling this story, I'd kept better track. I could go back and kind of exactly. tally that up, but it doesn't really matter. It was a long time of, a, of the cycle of addiction, alcoholism. And I, I apologize to you and the listeners if I jump back and forth in my story because it's all a blur and I don't have like solid timelines except for maybe dramatic events. Yeah. You know, yep. for me, I never had furniture. I was renting houses. If I couldn't fit it in my car, I didn't need it. I didn't own it, you know? And I would just bounce from job to job, state to state. Yeah, when you like to fly a light like that and jump yeah. out of situations, you don't want to have a big burden of a bunch of shit to deal with. That's right. That's right. And, uh, you know, I had, had uh, girlfriends and uh, maybe even significant others. You know, we'd lived together for a while, but, uh, you know, my disease got in the way. Ultimately, I wasn't going to let them get close, so screw that noise. If something pissed me off, I'm not going to compromise. Just screw it dude i'll get in the car and i'll go to colorado or whatever you know suit up clean up take a shave and get another job and start all over man so i i find myself out in san diego in 2000 i don't know eight nine ten something like that um living with a girl out there and i got that dui uh, and they took my car away, and I just paid rent, so I didn't have the money to get it out of impound. Uh, and every day it's there; it's like another sixty bucks or forty bucks or whatever. I wouldn't get paid for another two weeks, so the car was gone. I mean, basically, it was a you know beater anyway. So, meh. Uh, it was my second DUI, so I lost my license for two years. It was actually just supposed to be a year, but I fought it, thinking I could get away with it. 
and uh, ended up dragging it out longer than it needed to be. I would have been much better off just going, yeah, you got me. But I'm like, nah, I never had another DUI. Don't know what you're talking about. They're like, "Mm, no, we don't know. Anyway, uh, at least in San Diego, you know, public transit is a thing, and you can get around. So, you know, I didn't lose a job. Um, But shortly after that, she kicked me out the house uh, for just being a douche or whatever. Uh, put a restraining order on me. So mm. now I'm homeless, carless. Oh, big douche. Yeah, yeah. Don't well, think you get kicked out. The restraining order is another one of those. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's just a little thing. It's just a restraining order. Uh, and homeless in San Diego, maybe that, that, that that's that's like homeless light. You know, it's not particularly a hardship. Like, it doesn't freeze there. It might get cold. But uh, uh, I was paid all right. So basically what I would do is sleep outside for six days and then get a hotel room, shower and clean up and go in the next week. And I was uh, dragging around everything I could fit in one of those little carry-on luggage things. You know, just drag that scutter all over. <laughs> and I wore the wheels off that thing. Um, and I just... I, I don't, I can't point to one thing and go, oh, well, that, that's that's the catalyst. Because DUIs aren't going to stop me. Getting kicked in, homeless is not, none of this stuff is going to stop me. But at some point, I just snapped and said, look, I don't want to do this anymore. Uh, and I called my boss and said, hey, cut me a check for whatever days I've worked. I'm getting a one-way ticket out of here. I don't even know where I'm going to go. And he was like, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on. You're doing great work. We we love you. We love what you're doing. And I'm like, what? What are you What are you talking about? I'm a total fuck up. Oh, no, no, no. Come on in. We got this guy. You know, he, he's, he's in recovery. Talk to him. You know, we'll smooth this over. Don't worry about it. So I'm like, uh, all right, man, whatever. And, and I was just broken at this point i'm a zombie just walking around and uh uh, this guy tells me where there's a beginners meeting in san diego Uh, he didn't actually go to this meeting i found out why later uh he was still using and tried to had a big big one over on on the on the uh employers yeah yeah yeah. but he was like oh you can go you can go over here he was uh, one of those chronic relapsers you know they'll show up in the room yeah i went for years pretending to be sober yeah, I did, and I yeah. do that same thing. I tell you right where you need to go. I would, ha- I would take you to a meeting. Yeah, but but you know, I was not sober. But the beautiful thing happened there, man. Uh, I sat in the back of this beginners meeting up in uh, Old Town, San Diego, and I was just busted up, dude. I was crying in the back row, just you know, um, I c- couldn't tell you what anybody shared. I don't even know, you know. Uh, I was just like, well. What is what is all this come to? And at the end of the meeting, man, the first person who walked up to me and shook my hand, looked me square in the eye, and said, "You never have to take another drink again." I was like, "Will you be my sponsor?" Absolutely, boom! And I did what he told me to do. I didn't know that guy from Adam. Couldn't even—I don't know if he shared that night or whatever. But he reached out, man, and. Uh, absolutely saved my life you know he took me through the steps and um yeah it's been that was an amazing journey um and that was when 
2010. So my first sobriety day was February 15th, 2010. Um, within six months of just like going to meetings every day and like meeting a tribe of folks, man, they were like, hey, man, we're going to the international convention in San Antonio. Come along. Like they wasn't, they didn't even ask, right? I wasn't, there wasn't, oh, can you get off work or whatever? It was, you're coming. And they threw me in a car and we drove to San Antonio and the international a convention. Mm-hmm. And that was amazing, amazing for my sobriety, for me and, and it, just in a, as an experience. Uh, and that's one of the beautiful things I think that you've got going on with that spiritual retreat out at your cabin got a, a lot of guys early in sobriety six months five months coming out and being a part of in a big group like that around a fire man and i can see the lights start coming on in their eyes man it's a beautiful thing yeah man it is so speaking um, of that we'll be going to detroit next year too right as on. a group before oh oh the international, the international convention. convention that's right that's right Towards the July time frame next year. Okay. Okay. So we'll keep our eyes and ears open. And uh, my sponsor's gone, you know, I don't know how, but I've heard how many years ago and all that. But he talked about San Antonio last time. It was in Atlanta. Yep. And this time it's in Detroit. Yep. Yep. It's every five years. Yeah. So, yeah, if you got a new sponsee, grab him by the scruff of the neck and take him to Detroit, man. Yeah beautiful thing um so i was i don't know on fire man you know i'm going to meetings da 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 doing the whole the whole thing and i don't know year four i just start dragging i'm like man this is a lot of damn work you know it's meetings every day this is like a big part of my my life here i gotta that's i gotta an, dial this back that's another stuff to do <laughs> <laughs> so i don't know uh you know, if I thought that all those years of, of, of not drinking entitled me to be able to drink like a gentleman, or, or I'm sure I read that part in the book a hundred times, and it's probably stuck in my head. Oh, well, you're obviously not an alcoholic. Yeah. You, hadn't, you hadn't had a drink in over a year. In fact, it's been <laughs> about four. You're fine, dude. You're fine, right? So when somebody passed me a pipe, a little bit of that. California smokage, boom, I'm off and running. And at that point, well, I'm not going back to AA after having a couple hits off the bowl. Yeah. Can't go in there and tell them that. Nah, nah. So let's look at all these craft beers and then scotch and then da da da. And then I'm just like, you know what? Screw San Diego. I'm leaving. So I bounce out of there. I cash out my 401k and I just go partying through the countryside for a year. Hmm. And uh, found myself in Kentucky, of all places. I really like it here, but uh, I, I certainly wouldn't wouldn't have picked that spot. Uh, got a great job somehow. I don't, I don't know these things. Like I said, it's a semi-charm life. Uh, you know, God working in my life, maybe even right. Yeah, uh, even through my drinking and, and using. Uh, I just don't see those synchronicities when I'm in a blackout, right. you know. So, uh, so we, I think that's what he means by blocked from the spirit and those kind of terms. I'm yep. not capable of having that. Yep. 
even when it's happening for me and you know and when I get some clarity I can see where I've had a higher power working in my life from the get-go uh, but the curtain falls in a second with any kind of chemical for an alcoholic like me as soon as I get to using uh, I don't know any of that yeah and I don't know if this is maybe tied to willingness in sobriety but I've found that the more broken I am the closer the the veil between this world and the spiritual seems to be like when I'm busted up man I can see the miracles they're almost uh, almost visible tangible you can see those strings of whatever that is between between people and between things which sounds a little bit hokey but uh and maybe it's just desperation you know at that point you're reaching out for anything that's there maybe seeing things that are not Hmm. but uh by the same time so by the same token uh i'm choosing to look at it like that's god reaching out to me man so uh i tried aa in kentucky because at this point even though i'm drinking heavily i got a good job things are not going well because mark's head is mark's head and it's always talking man uh and it's starting to get to the point where i can't blot it out anymore right um and i'm running up against that that bodily wall of uh, pancreatitis now so the dosage is going up to you know almost a fifth a day and i can't stop the voices and i'm starting to feel those chest pains again and by the way just public service announcement if you're having pancreatitis do not go to an er room and tell them that you're having chest pains because they'll think it's a heart attack and it's just no bueno don't do it you know just come clean from the get-go tell them no no no, i've been drinking it's not my heart just there you go i'll just throw that out there for you uh but i popped into the rooms of AA in uh in kentucky and it wasn't like the rooms of AA in san diego you know people were different and they didn't read chapter three you know and, and oh no this is just absolutely not going to work for mark so boom i'm you know off drinking to the bitter end man i'm gonna go and uh so i don't know November ish of of uh, 2017-2017. <laughs> I'm getting to the point where uh, I'm taking my gun apart, putting it back together, and putting it to my head and squeezing the trigger with a full magazine. You know, I'm just wanting to blow my brains out, mm. but not. I mean, there was some part of me that was like, "Dude, this is not good," and the rest of me is like, "Fuck it, we've done this." over and over i don't want to go through it again i'm having this this mental you know back and forth and i don't know the part that wanted to live won, you know and i drove to the emergency room and told him i wanted to kill myself and that's a great way to get a 72 hour old i was gonna say that's another one of the things (laughs) when you go to the emergency room uh you need to be real careful when you drop that one too yep yep uh you better want to stay for a little while yep and I didn't want to go there, but uh, that's that's also where I work. So a little bit of a stigma there. What are you going to do? Yeah. Right. Well, uh, you know, it does uh, it does get immediate attention. So in uh, another regard, you know, I mean, I have heard people tell people when they go someplace they didn't have insurance. 
to yeah. use that kind of language. Yeah. And they will take you. Yeah. Uh, they have to. Yeah. So, I think I was in there maybe a week. Uh, you know, at this point, my boss who works there obviously knows <laughs> what's up. So uh, but he popped. working at the same place. You're working at the hospital. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, they know when you walk in there and do this. Oh, yeah. Well, as soon employee. as I hit the AR room and, okay. you know, yeah, they know. I mean, they're not supposed to know HIPAA and all that, but right, yeah. come on, but, uh, so, yeah, uh, you know. Uh, what's your name, sir? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's not like I flash my employee badge, but they know. Anyway, he showed up and he's like, man, uh, we love you. We love what you're doing. My head, again, I'm, I'm nothing but a fuck up. I'm not, I, I have no idea. I think every, I think the world's about to just crumble in. I'm about to be fired any day. This is all just a lark, you know. I'm just skating my way through it, just like I've been doing. Um, but once again, you know, somebody reached out, and this, you know, these weren't people in the program. They were just like, hey. And at this point, um, you know, I know what I need to do. The solution's been in my life right i just need to go back and do aa easier and, said than done yeah and you mentioned in in marshall's podcast a little bit earlier about how the light doesn't shine as bright maybe the second time around and i won't necessarily disagree with that but i will say that it was a little bit easier the second time around was it um because the first time that i walked into the rooms i didn't have a higher power I rejected that. I was convinced that this wasn't going to work for me, right? But I did the work. I did the steps, and it worked in spite of that, Yeah. right? Blew me away, yeah. right? So um, who is it? You know, most of those things do are kind of like a your, your mileage may vary kind of thing yeah. as far as when people's experiences and having a second time and a first time, you know, right. so like that. You know, that little thing I pop out there about it, it's easier to stay sober than it is to get sober uh, alludes to how hard it is to get sober again. But, frankly, that is not everyone's experience. Right. Right. And at some level, when I come back in 2014 to hit my current 2015 sobriety date, that was actually easier too for the same reason you shine some light on that because i already had some recovery and knew kind of what i had a light i had a flashlight this yeah. time when i walked in. i wasn't just exactly. walking into the dark i'm like okay i know these guys i've seen it i've seen it's working for them matter of fact when i met them four years ago they're still here sober so that's yeah. more proof that it's working so hadn't really thought about that uh it felt harder in one regard but one of the things was, is for me, it was more painful because the consequences have been ratcheted up to a point that really had me hurting, Absolutely. had me scared, really. Yeah. The fear was so high yeah. that, uh, and that worked to my advantage, too. Right. But yeah, the first time I just, I didn't want to do the whole cycle again. The second time, I was just about to end my own life. Yeah. Right? I hadn't lost my car. I hadn't lost the house. I hadn't lost a job, you know. And so uh, as you're walking up, but I'd completely I know you got that mind. toolbox. Open it up and let's get it yeah. out. You know, the yeah. first time around, you're going, that toolbox don't work. <laughs> <laughs> what toolbox? Yeah. But uh, one, an old speaker put it, put it really well, the difference between belief and faith. In that, um, say, say that I have a, um, a toilet that's exploded, right? I'm not a plumber. Um, 
but I know Dan, so I called Dan. I'm like, hey, man, do you know a plumber? Yeah, I know this guy. Shane's great. I mean, killer. Uh, you know, he he'll, does great work on time and uh, fair price. Now, if I believe Dan, I'm going to make that call. Shane's going to come over, fix my commode. Everything's good. Now, the next time that, you know, my garbage disposal blows out, I don't have to call Dan, right? I just pick up the phone and call Shane because I've already had the experience of Shane coming in, fixing it right, right. up. That's the difference between the first time I walked in, there was a belief, there was a hope. The second time, uh, there was faith that was yeah. there. I knew it worked. Really right? good point. I just needed to put in the work, do the steps, get a sponsor, go to meetings. I mean, it's effort. It's it's a hard walk, but I know that it saves saved my life, right? And uh, you, you, I think you're right. You know, I don't think I'm shining as bright as I did when I first walked in the door. But it, you know, maybe that's it's tempered by the fact that I could the rug could completely come out from under me if I stop what I'm doing, right? Yeah. If I let up on this accelerator, Marshall talked about it as well more seek more keep going man there's always more there yeah and yeah the words used over and over continue continue yeah. continue yeah yeah so it's a beautiful thing uh yeah it takes a lot of time energy love but the rewards are immense so uh yeah it's what i do period you know, I did finally surrender to that, you know, instead of trying to fight it and try to make it a part-time gig and mm. and all that is uh, is put it primary in my life and let everything else come behind it. Absolutely. And it's working good for now. And yeah. anytime I think about otherwise, I, I have that. And I also get really good examples thrown at me if I keep my eyes open right. of where that didn't work. For, you know, same way when it's, you know, I have this uh, little bit of different thing about the coming to believe. Some of my coming to believe was watching it working for other people. Right. Not so much that I came to believe something was going to help me, that this thing was going to do anything for me. I came to believe that it was working for him or in her and all that. Well, in the same regard, just exactly the same, except for polar opposite, I also have come to believe that when you stop, <laughs> yeah. that rug gets pulled out from underneath you pretty bad, and I watch people. And, you know, fact of the matter is, and I'll say it once again, people die yes it's not just a matter of just slipping up and right. having another chance yeah this the, disease the gun, is fatal. The playing with a gun does not you know that time around yeah you know that that won't be the that's the next time it they they pull it off right or something else gets them right or the next dose around here you know lately is the fatal one yeah i can't um, underscore that enough this yeah. thing is a fatal disease and will kill you in a minute yeah and i'm just blessed to be sitting here in front of you talking to you now you know because it very well could have happened another way and i'm sure they're if they're parallel universes 99 out of 100 i'm not sitting here talking to you yep guaranteed same thing here same thing here for sure that uh you just don't really find that many people that come in here and get it long-lasting yeah. recovery out of the gates once in a while you see somebody do that but our egos and all of our other stuff that goes on that wants to fight it and control it and do it by my plan uh has to like all that stuff seems it's a it's like a rite of initiation almost 
Like, you almost have to go down this little path of fighting it and doing this other stuff and finding out that, no, it didn't actually work and your way ain't working. Mm. And, you know, hopefully you survive that. Yeah. To find the the, the spot where you actually get traction and, and keep going. And, and then you also get the stories of people being, being around for a long time that decide to drink again. Absolutely. Uh, and... and uh, oh, Burns always, uh, he's the person I heard say it first, and he says, Dems that don't go to meetings don't know what happens to Dems that don't, don't go to meetings. So if we keep on showing up 12-step meetings, we keep hearing these stories, then I know that's kind of like the keeping it green thing or whatever. I hear those stories. Uh, I stay home, and what this, this computer up here will start chucking old information. Yeah. And some of the old information is that, that I can't drink. And one day I believe that I can again. And and I hear it over and over again. And so, like, to not actually heed that advice, you know, after time and time again, you know what I mean? If I walk up to that door and I slam my finger in that door, you know, you're all going to believe it hurt, right? And you shouldn't go up and do it yourself. You should see me do it. (laughs) But, you know, us, we seem to have to go, I don't know if it hurt that bad. I'm going to go up there and slam my finger in that door, too. Uh, I'm pretty sure it won't didn't. Won't hurt me. It's pretty a, sure it didn't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so it's interesting you have that. So you have only said four years. Is that what you said at one point? I took a five-year token in San Diego. You so did? I had five, yeah. Wow. Yeah. But at that point, I was backing out, man. You know, just showing up at meetings. I'd see sponsoring other men. Uh, cease my commitments in fact i think i just bailed out of several which is you know an absolute no-no yeah and i'm sure there were people all around me going he's headed for a relapse ah, nobody told mark you know or well, if, if they, they did, did i didn't listen it. yeah or wouldn't care you know but other times i couldn't hear it for whatever reason you know i got fair warning yeah all along uh but i just it wasn't I, you know, and, it, and it made it into my consciousness but i just couldn't hear it enough to do anything about it to to take it to change my course that i was on i just that's where i get into this thing about alcoholism being like a parasite that hijacks my operating system mm. and sometimes i'm no longer in control you know so yeah. as much as i want to write my course there's some core being that, that i think and that's where that comes into that well, I like that definition of spiritual sickness is that it's not a religious thing. It's not a, it's not a deity-based kind of thing. What I'm talking about is that very spirit that resides inside of me, my soul, my essence that is Dan, is sickened. Mm. And once it's poisoned and sickened, uh, it's still down there trying to like go, no, go this way. That's not the right way, Dan. Uh, but it's a really small little voice. It's the Jimmy yes. Cricket in the Pinocchio trying to get you to, to go the right direction. But but the disease has me, and it and I'm on autopilot, and yep. and, uh, and I get carried off. And it actually helps me a great deal when I look at other people doing stuff. What I would say is like really stupid things. Powerlessness really is what all this is: powerlessness and unmanageability, whether if you're using or not. Yeah. Um, and give them some latitude that that's not really. You know, just like the book says, it's grant them that, that they got spirit that they're that they're spiritually sick rather than just being jerks or being making dumb moves on purpose. That they are on something. Something has a joystick called Dan. Yeah, and it's driving it down this way. Yeah, I'd like so to get. 
Wave my hand in front of the face, man, but it still can't break work. the trance, and I'm off yeah. going some other direction. So, yeah. Sometimes they'll listen. I had a guy call last night. This is completely off topic to some extent, but nothing's off topic like this. Uh, out of the blue. Facebook friend request. I look, I see I have friends with him. I look at him. I do recognize him a little bit. It all seems legit. Uh, Got to be real careful because I get all kinds of fake ones today. So I do a little explore, exploration to make sure it looks legit. And I friend it and they message me in just a minute, which is usually a bad thing. Because usually it's only the third. It's usually only those robots and those people looking for you that do that. Yeah. Um, but he wants some help and he wants a call and so I talked to him and then I put two and two together I remember where I knew him from and uh, and he's hurting yeah and I asked him last night do you want to stop and he said no I said well man you know call me when you do yes and I said I just don't spend a lot of time talking to drunk people Uh, I'm not going to nurse you I'm not you know I said to some extent and one of the things that got explained to me early on was like uh, in the Ghostbusters movies when you get slimed yeah. You remember that? Yeah. Well, when I'm dealing with an active alcoholic, sometimes I'm walking away feeling slimed. <laughs> okay. Right. And and one of the dynamics is, is that they've talked to me and they've siphoned some of my serenity off and they feel a little better, you know, but I walk <laughs> off feeling worse. And need a shower. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so I just don't really do that much and I can be really honest with somebody and I just told him that today. Yeah. Last night, you know, yeah. Hey man, call me when you're sober. Happy to talk. Uh, I don't talk to... Or I, I call me talk. when you're ready to get yeah. some. And, I, and, you know, if he yeah. just wants to talk tomorrow, I'm okay. I'll be a support person, but I'm just not going to deal with drunkenness mm. and, and you know, the, all the shit that comes with that, whether if it's victimhood and about how everybody else's fault, you know, that's what comes with an active drunk yeah. uh, is all that. And I'm just not going to sit here, you know. It's not. <laughs> uh, you can't talk to him. You know, you can't get through to them. If I thought that I could, like, convince them, but you can't. Anyway, a guy called, you know, so I told him, you know, my, my thing is, is you need to go detox. If you can't stop drinking, go detox. Yeah. I don't know what else to tell you because I'm not going to put you on my couch and detox you. Uh, book says something about people doing that. I'm not doing that. Uh, kids well, that and 1930s. Yeah, right, right. You know. Yeah, yeah. And they didn't have what we have available to us today. But he called this morning again, and he was a mess. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's also you get into the, he's already started drinking this morning on a Sunday morning. It's prior to 10 a.m. Uh, Been there, done that. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, although I wasn't, well, I'm not going to, it doesn't matter. I really wasn't too much of that. I always felt so bad after drinking so hard the night before that I usually didn't. I usually had a limp back into action kind of effect in the mornings, but uh, <laughs> it took me a while to get back to where I could actually put something in me. I know some of that's not, again, that's different people's experiences and the way it works. But anyway, so we got it crying really upset mm. drunk dude on the telephone and he finally you know after a minute he said he's gonna you know uh, here's what you do man i don't know what else to tell you is to go to go to a detox so i don't want to lose my job you're going to lose your job anyway probably uh, they'll fire me nope they actually almost can't the That's first time true. You, they don't have to send you back over and over and over again to yeah. rehab they, they you will wear out your welcome there but most employers, if you come on bended knee and say, hey, man, I have a problem. Yes. I'm unable, you know, even throw some stuff in there, say, man, my account, I've talked to a counselor. They suggested I go do detox. Uh, I'm going to go do that uh, or else I'm going to be no good to you guys. Uh, right. And, and they're going to let you go. Every employer around is going to say, okay, go take care of yourself. 
and uh and but yeah he thinks he's gonna get you know we think we're gonna get fired and we can't lose this job that we're gonna lose anyway uh, that's absolutely the reason that i never went to uh uh the the 30 day uh you know we've got the recovery whatever yep. all around yep. uh, i always was convinced i would lose my job yep. so just the amount of time that it took to actually separate me from alcohol for three days or a week and get just some distance and then I went into the rooms uh, and I've met a lot of people who come into the rooms of alcohol because anonymous you take away the alcohol they're fine like they get better uh, I, I immediately was worse because my head just started roaring um, not only about you know, I need what I need to be better, but also that chatter came back. Those 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 yeah. memories. You the know, quintessential deal on the alcohol was not your problem; me. it was your yeah, solution. Exactly. And now, what are you going to do to get a new solution? Exactly. So I went to my sponsor real early on. I mean, like step one. Okay, step two. I'm like, I don't know about this whole God thing, but my head won't shut up. Like, what's this meditation? So I went like 111. And he said, well, I don't really meditate, but my sponsor does. Go talk to him, right? So he funneled me off to uh, to a guy who did um, some kind of Buddhist kind of thing where it's a, like a mantra chat. Uh, Nam-yoho-renge-kyo kind of thing. You say it over and over and over yep. again. And, okay, that worked. That quieted the mind for a little bit. But I wanted more, man, because that was working, right? So I'm looking around and... Uh, I, I have eventually tried uh, probably half a dozen different types of meditation and pick and choose a little bit from 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 wherever. But uh, too, you know that right. actually absolutely saved my bacon um, because it kept my head back in check. You know to where some of this uh, sobriety and serenity could come in um, because otherwise I'm just a madhouse. Yeah. I mean it's just not good in Mark's head. Uh, that is the whole thing about to me i mean it's a big piece of meditation is retraining this brain to, yes. to like be calm and not be skitzy yes. the way it is when you remove when i didn't have alcohol or when i removed it right uh, and again i say over and over again uh i don't think this program's all a cart thing where i get to pick it i'm not going to meditate <laughs> i don't do I that would, i would i don't sponsor other do, guys yeah. and just not really built to do that uh, I don't. You know, I know a I bunch of people who don't, though. I know, me too. Yeah. yeah. And, and, but you know what I do see is I see that that's where that level of recovery is not the kind of guy that where when like when Marshall was talking was going. I want some of that. Yep. Right. You know, nobody's doing that to those guys. I want some of that. Right. You know, it's, it's to me. I had to do all twelve steps. Yeah. Yeah. To get the whole effect. Yeah, and you make know, no I mistake, can't do I am three not quarters good. of my antibiotic. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm had not to good at meditation. It. It. It's difficult like that's that's what i hear from most people is i can't, I can't do that still. it's hard you know my i don't mind want to sit. Want to sit my head just uh, wanders off can't like, shut yeah, down my that's brain. kind of the point right um that's exactly why we do it that's right. my usually my it, answer exactly. is exactly why we do it it's the same it's thing when people go to me i'm not flexible enough to do yoga so yep. that's like saying you're too dirty to take a bath right you, you well, that is why we do it exactly Exactly. So just to tap off of that one thing, I did tell that guy, he said he's going to rehab today, going to defects oh, yeah. today. And uh, and I said, well, text me when you go as you're walking in the door so I know that you did it. And a couple hours later, I got a text that said he was going in. Sweet. So, uh, cool. 
prayers. Yeah. Yeah. I hope he hope he gets it. You know. Again, my life is wrapped up around carrying this message. Yeah. Uh, everything else I'm doing is in effort uh, that so that I can do this. Yeah. Someone someone uh, said it really eloquently. They said uh, when people ask, uh, "What do you do for a living?" Ah, stay sober. I mean, that's not what you tell them. Yeah. Right. But that's the truth. Right. I stay sober. Oh, well, you mean what do I do for money? Yeah. Oh, well, that's that's over here. Yeah. Now I get those two things mixed up. To live, I'm drunk. Yeah. 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 yeah I've got to keep it. I've got to keep my sobriety above the horizon. You know. Yeah. And um, that's one of the beautiful things about about the spiritual underground. You guys are on fire, dude. You walk in there, you get charged. You did right. And I walk out of there it's and electric. I got goosebumps, dude. I got it's them electric. now, man. It's it's a way for me to keep the lights on because if they go dim, marks back to old behaviors. And it's easy. I've done it to go back out into the madness and I don't want that. I know that's I know where that is, right? So I keep searching. I keep moving forward. I keep reaching out, you know, and uh the synchronicities that took place for me to walk into the room of the spiritual underground you call them miracles you know yeah, and, right. and they are to, yeah. to a certain degree uh it's just uh you know yeah, and if other miracles if other people want to call them like that yeah you know, that's yeah. up to you for me Right. They were miracles. My right. friend showing me the spiritual underground and walking in there and hearing things that were different than what I've been hearing, whether or not if they were any different than what I've been hearing, I heard them different. My experience there was different, and it was a turning point in my life because I ran into these guys, and I watched the same thing happen when other people run into us too. Uh, yeah, it's, you know, it's and I know it's happened in other places too. Yeah, well, I'm not going to begin to say we have a monopoly on that either. No, 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 no. But it's the one I'm aware of today. You know, and how many times, how many chances do I really think I'm going to have to like grab this in my lifetime to bump into another one? I don't know. Yeah. So I'm going to hold dearly to the one I have at the moment. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, at the same time, I want to reach out, add to. Oh, like me too. I want to pull people. Oh man. Yeah. And take this and, and put it other places. You yep. know, I mean, that's the main, that is why this is the Spiritual Underground Podcast. It's an attempt to try to get this other places. And it's doing it. Um, and attract people to us, too, yeah, at the same I, time. I kind of skipped over the fact that that uh, when I was first in sobriety without a car, walking to work, I'd put headphones in, man, and listen to speaker tapes. Yeah. And those absolutely saved my bacon because when I was listening to a speaker tape, my head was not talking to me. Yeah. You know, and then when I didn't have those going, I was either at work or at a meeting. But, you know, and one of the, and I was talking with Marshall about this earlier, one of the things I like about this particular format is that it's not a speaker tape. It's a conversation, right? It's, it's, so, it's not as polished right and it seems to me more genuine more authentic than somebody kid standing up there and giving a spiel they probably i mean not that it's not unimportant or important but it's it's been honed you know they're listening for the laughs and maybe tweak it a little bit here a little bit yeah, there yeah. that's not this at all yeah. especially when it's um you know when it is like polished circuit type speakers you know and not not to take anything away from no, that no, no. man because i got one of them coming in next week but uh yeah. but 
yeah, I get it. This and that was my intent here. Was this was to be, you know, not a sterile thing. This was supposed to be an, and and I don't know why I was led to think of this. You know, to do it. I don't know if anybody else is doing it or not. I have I found a couple other kind of things that are similar to this, but not don't match this. To be like it's in a conversational. First for a, for a while, I was calling it kind of interview, but it's really not. Yeah, it's more like you said, a conversation than than that. Uh, so yeah, this thank microphone you for, actually disappeared earlier. I don't yeah, know if you caught that. Yeah, it yeah, did. it does. It ends up going away, man, because we just start talking, just like if we yeah. were sitting at the kitchen table and you were like twelve stepping me or something, you know. Right. In a sense, you're telling me the what happened to you as a result of this, and that's what the big book says. We tell them what we have done, you know, what we did, and it tells again, you know, if you're thinking about what happened, tell them what happened to you. You know, that's how we carry this thing. It says it twice in that book, at least, of how we do this thing is carrying it by saying what you're experience, sharing your experience yeah. and what happened to you as a result of this. So I get yeah. to hear that. So like you gave me the ultimate compliment a minute ago because you just hit like on all the things I'm aiming at mm. when I, as I'm doing this thing. I don't want it sterile. The, the, air, the, the air compressor kicks on once in a while. We hear us opening up cans of beverage uh, chairs scoot around people yeah. people always have crystals on this table and invariably somebody drops one you know and it hits the table and clack you know uh that's not what that's not the the message we're everyday people we cuss we laugh we yep. screw up when we're talking uh we search for words we sit here with periods of silence uh that's all part of what we really that's real that's what we really do not the uh not the not the polish right uh once i want to track back to something you said about miracles because we throw that word around a lot and i know you really like it um and uh, for me this is not um the red sea parting kind of thing right right? but they are things that mean a lot to me that that cut deep right and they're things that i can use to help me along in sobriety right now i can't lean on those kinds of things i hear a lot of people say well i always remember my last drunk and it says it in the book that that at the worst possible time you're not going to be able to call to mind the memory of the pain and suffering of even a day or a week right and that's absolutely true so you know we lean on each other the power of the fellowship right and right. we lean on our higher power right. that's that's actually but at the same time man you can't discount the power of a miracle these what we call miracles let's call it a miracle okay fine i mean it works for me it's keeping me sober it helps yeah. when i can think about it i just can't always count on having that in my back pocket all the time because you know when the worst possible time comes, I'm probably not going to be thinking about whatever that is. Right. You know, yeah. higher power has to get involved. You know, Marshall picks up the phone and calls me. You know, something. You know, we do. We, you know, we, we, at the at the end of the day, we're all just sitting around trying not to die, right? And we're helping each other along the way, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. You know, and in the same vein, you know, I was sitting there doing that. People's lives around me are like awesome. I mean, yeah. I have stories around me that I point to on a time and time again basis. And when people come in and they're hurting, I've got all these examples to point at. And now I actually can like go say, hey, listen to their story. This is my buddy. This is my sponsee. This is my friend. This, this is my sponsor. Uh, these right. are not people out, Earl, 
Earl tells a great story, right? Yeah. We don't know him. I don't know him. Maybe nope. one of you two do. Uh, but I know you. And when that guy hears your story, I can say, hey, man, I want to introduce you to Mark. Is that, are you the and like comes down to like grounding you know and it's not movie star looking status you know and it's not really that you know what i mean but that is yeah, like yeah. that's outside my reach yeah. these are just stories that are on the internet and they're good stories but these are our stories right here i can introduce you to these people oh here's I know their phone. Many of them yeah i know yeah. i mean i've been to somebody new yeah, walking yeah, up sure. i have a whole new toolbox and a new way to participate in my recovery by handing somebody something that's actually way more tangible you said something earlier about being able to feel it yeah uh you know i can i can really i can put you you know i can give you this guy you you related to what he said well here here's you want his number, number? bang it's uh, a beautiful thing yeah it is really cool man I'm loving doing it. I'm having a blast doing it, man. I just get jacked up. Um, I've said this, shared this before, too. You know, after the fact, I have a come down. In about 20, 30 minutes after the podcast, I like a wow. Uh, and because of the emotional investment, it's what's the best yeah. I've heard, best I've talked about, or best I've learned on it, is that sitting here and giving this emotional uh, investment across the table like that. Um, and I've started noticing too that actually when I do 12 step work when I'm working with a sponsee or something I have a similar thing but it's usually in a smaller bite uh, and I'll notice that I'll have a little a little period of exhaustion kind of after where I just kind of want a minute to where if I'm going to take a nap or just chill for a few minutes uh, and then that's okay actually I think that's a that's a that's like a really good that's a that's a good thing in my mind i don't mean to make it i hope people don't hear it thinking that i take that as a negative i actually think it as a as a really good um uh, a good property of doing this a good thing around it so it was uh miracles and you want a guy you want to share about or anything in particular or uh it's a little bit hokey <laughs> i like hokey but again it's something that means a lot to me uh and I'll try to I'll take up a lot of time explaining it. Um, my sobriety date, 11-23-2017. So um, I'm, I love numbers, man. I'm uh, a numbers guy. You know, I do math and stuff for work, and, you know, just, they fascinate me, right? Pi, irrational numbers, and E, and all that, whatever. Um, and I always wanted, like, a cool sobriety date. Yep. You know, uh, there was this guy in, uh, probably still is, he's in San Diego. Uh, he'd always announce himself, and it's Friday date 5585. And I'm like, damn, that's a cool sobriety date. I always wanted one, you know. So whenever I would, uh, I'd do this all the time, you know, quit smoking or start exercising, you know, I'm going to pick a date, you know, the summer equinox or, you know, the, the last eclipse or, you know, seven seven twenty seventeen or whatever, right? I'm just gonna I'm gonna shoot for that, and something will always happen on that day. You know, my car will catch fire. There'll be a hole in my shoe, whatever. I'm just gonna keep smoking or shoving another cheesecake down my gullet or whatever it is I'm trying to quit. That day will go by, and I'll blow it off. Um, when I was done, I didn't get to pick my day. Yeah. <laughs> I wanted to blow my brains out. Uh, matter of fact, my my actual surprise, the, the day that I quit drinking is not the day uh, 11-23. Um, 
I went, <laughs> I went into the psych ward, and they gave me some kind of antidepressant, like Effexor or something like that. And I reacted badly to it. And I went on a two-day psychedelic trip that was amazing. Like, I would have paid good money for that back in the day, man. I thought I was a Cheeto at one point. I mean, it was, it was awesome. Awesome. So once I came down from all that, that's the day that I picked. Once uh-huh. I stopped, I told them, no, 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 don't, 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 don't give me that anymore. Uh, so 11, 23, 17, and 2017 are all prime numbers. Oh, Matter right. of fact, that's the last. There's one more, 1129. Uh, but 1123 is also the start of the Fibonacci sequence, right? Uh-huh. So. I don't know. You know, I look at it and I go, and it's not, it's subtle, right? It's, yeah, it's, right, yeah. It's, it's, Nobody would pick either of those to uh, right. say anything about it. Because I was sitting know. here wheeling around in my brain about what the significance was. <laughs> what that I, was like, I love around. prime numbers, man. I, I drive down the road and my stereo is always going to be on a prime number. Seven, oh, yeah. you know, 13, 11. It goes up to like 25, so I stop at 23. I can't hear anything below like five anyway, so whatever but yeah I don't, I don't know why i'm just always gonna the volume now yeah it's silly it's silly but again it's one of those meaningful weighty things for me that helps keep me so yeah man so, yeah i like that story sad, silly but whatever that's not you know and i think it's actually <laughs> honoring something too you know because uh you know i've picked sobriety dates for guys before helped them yeah they don't know when they stopped but we had knew what day they had actually you know yeah, by I, this date they knew they were clean so we right. just said let's just go with that i had to track it don't really back. matter yeah because <clears throat> it's like okay back. well wednesday i know that i took my son to scouts but i could i couldn't pick up my son my wife had to go get you know so then they do this little mental track down and it's like okay well so then like sunday's a safe date <laughs> you know <Yeah. laughs> let's let's do that okay yeah uh and and do it um, you know, we got somebody in the group that really didn't pay attention to Alex when he told his story, mm-hmm. you know, his sobriety date is a made up date. He knows he was sober. It was, you know, that's one he picked, he, but, but it wasn't the significant thing it is to us. Like whenever I stopped, right. When I know when my day was, uh, and it, and it was, and it was, you know, but, but to him, it wasn't like a stop drinking date. It just was it just happened to be the day he stopped. Right. So it's interesting, uh, but still, uh, it doesn't really, again, you know, it's kind of funny. It doesn't really matter. Pick a date, no, though, yeah. man. Pick one and stick yeah. with it. Because it's a fun thing when you go around and I, so, like, I do this, and I like to pick Chase out because he's also a good sport. And, and him and I met a long time ago in a rehab joint, and we'd see each other now and again. And, uh, and then I actually had the miracle happen, and I got well, right? And there is some intuition. There's something that comes, there's something that's come to me mm. that I didn't have beforehand. And I was, you know, I'll have some things, I'll see some things into the future kind of stuff. I'll know some, I'll have some true, no shit intuition that will lead me in a direction that pans out to be true and I follow it and it works. And, and, but so same thing goes when I see somebody and, and Chase is pretending to be sober. Well, I pretend to be sober too. So I know what that looks like. So I like to poke on people cause I'm, I'm relatively forward and I'm pretty, pretty 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 straight shooter today most of the time although sometimes i, I sh- my straight shot's a curveball uh so i go oh, yeah man what's your sobriety date and you just hit them cold and they don't know what you know that stammer and stutter and shit <laughs> while they come up with one and then like uh, what's your sponsor's name mm-hmm. and 
you know, he's dead. Yeah, the token, you know, it, um, uh, man, I, I forgot. You know, hold on. You know, it's like, yeah, you don't really. Yeah. If you got a real sponsor, you ain't forgetting his name. Or uh, what's Stepion? There you go. Yeah. So I, and I've did that, but I did that all to chase over time, and he gave me those dancing lessons. But you know what? I, I didn't. I just I just swallowed him. It wasn't to call him out or make fun of him, hmm. and I didn't do it in front of somebody else. It wasn't that I was doing that. I was doing that on one-on-one over to side to gauge where he was at and, and what was going on with him. And 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 I never, you know, I, I didn't hold any of that. I just accepted it with love and carried on. Gave him my telephone number, that kind of stuff, you know, and continued walking. You know, yeah. and later on down the road, that paid off because I wasn't an asshole to him, right? You know, when he needed somebody to help him, uh, that guy there was not a dickhead to me. You know, he was... Even when I was lying to him, he don't really, he don't, some of this he don't remember. That's another cool thing about sitting here with a sponsee and y'all had that dynamic a little bit. Uh, That's why I was curious about when we sit here and did this. um, I know some of the early stuff in Chase's story and Vlad and a couple other people like that, Quentin. I know it a little better than they do because I'm clear. Right. And, And I was there present and clear-headed they were not so i listened and i it's kind of like yeah okay we'll just go with that you know <laughs> not quite exactly but we will just go with that close enough yeah it doesn't really matter it's not an error you know no, right no no real harm in it so that is a cool uh so miracles can be what you want them to be yeah uh, i think so uh, that's kind of what i was hedging at there yeah uh, I like to do that that whole definition thing, you know, uh, across the board. I think, you know, joke around Tom, one of our friends, Tom, will say I hit him with something and, and he'll share about that. That, And um, it's another one of these things that was just out of the blue. He come up walking into a meeting like, you know, another one of these pretending to be sober kind of thing, pretending to be more sober than he was. Mm. And he'd said he'd been around for a while and, you know, and, uh, and you know, this is not, you know, no, I'm not really new, you know, and all that, which was the truth. You know, how we are, we come in, you know, like when he had been coming to AA for, AA for a long time. Sure, sure. Or sometime, anyway. <laughs> uh, and I just hit, it just hit me that I said, y'all, you're a lawyer, right? And he said, yeah. And I said, do you think words mean stuff or words important? Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like those words in that one chapter, like thoroughly and completely and absolutely and things like that when we talk about doing this work, those words really don't mean anything, right? Those are not, you know. Uh, and, and he just caught cold, man, and he looked at me, smiled, and he shook his hand, you know, shook his head. And I th- if I remember right, I think he said, you fucker. <laughs> <laughs> but still remembers that, you know, and it, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it landed on him. So although I do agree that the words are important at one level, this pendulum swing is a really funny thing because I don't really like labels. But we must have them. Yes. And if we don't, we can't. It makes it damn hard to communicate if we're not using terms which we both. That's why I don't get hung up on the word God anymore. I, I used to. Man. But it's just the easy both. word to say today. It and is. I know that whenever I'm talking to somebody new in recovery and I use that word, I can see the flinch in them at times. Yep. You know, uh, but you know, it's the word I have. And I can go through a whole bunch of other stuff. And sometimes I can, you know, we want all the spirit of the universe or read chapter, read we agnostics and look at how many times, how many letters, how many words are capitalized in we agnostics. You ever look at that? Go home when you get to your book, turn that, turn to that chapter and watch how many times things that are not normally capitalized are capitalized there. Like spirit of the universe, 
you know it's all using that capital you know when you say god you should capitalize yeah. that it's all underneath of that uh and it's interesting there's a bunch of them a yeah. bunch oh i got my hackles up i i would skip the first word of the serenity prayer for almost a year yeah. and then at the end of the at the end of our meetings when we say the lord's prayer i'd hold hands but i'd be looking around seeing who else around. who else wasn't saying oh, the prayer dear. with me make eye contact oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah me and you are in cahoots yep yep the rest of these jackoffs. <laughs> <laughs> but at some point like you said i just hijacked that word and it means what it means to me right. and let's just agree that it's a term to describe yeah. you know, my favorite thing to say is coca-cola or kleenexes mm, if yeah. i have kroger brand tissues and i hand them to you and say would you like a kleenex you're not looking at the label Probably and not. going i don't those are not <laughs> kleenexes dan now now uh and when we say you know around here anyway i know that ain't everywhere but around here uh, at least in my world coca-cola or a coke not coca-cola coke yeah was kind of like a term for a soft drink yes you know and it can be just used generically you don't necessarily mean you're going to get a coca-cola brand drink if you say hey man let's go get a coke you know me and you we're just going to go get a drink you know uh so the kleenex coca-cola kleenex and coke thing uh it's just the word we grunt to indicate a certain thing you know what i mean yeah i think everybody out there kind of knows well people who are have have gotten have gotten these tools and this had this spiritual awakening do people that don't um that's so so back full circle around and when i say miracle i'm just meaning some profound and completely indescribable thing that happened to me that is a uh, blessing in my life some of mine are i mean the 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 paperwork changing down at the courthouse and putting on a different address for me to do my home incarceration at when that was a specific point of contention yes that no we are not letting you do it here and it turns around and says oh there i don't know how that happens man right and maybe it was a clerical error but i don't believe it and uh and other people who have walked in my life that are miracles and my miracle list and different things uh, uh they are to me and I hold them dearly. Anything else you want to talk about? Nah, I think I've prattled on long enough, man. Yeah. That's a cool thing about this thing is like when people, because uh, every single time, of course, I'm a talker, right? But most people at the podium will feel crunched in time. I mean, mm. now and again, you see somebody who runs out, but, but anybody that has a real message has trouble cramming it in and it's yeah. like a little speed thing or they had to okay gotta hurry this up you know and we don't have that have to hurry it up here uh and what usually happens is i look across the thing and people say like you did just now that no i think i'm done yep you know i think i no, I think this is it you know and we know we didn't say every you know i mean hell we could sit here for days and tell stories but uh it's, that's not the point the point is to feel complete in the moment and in the message that we delivered today and if something like Marshall had talked about earlier, he had left a piece of something out. Uh, when we do that prayer in the beginning of this, to, to, to let us hear, let us say what we need to say so those out there will hear what they need to hear, I have to chalk up the fact that Marshall didn't mention his leg getting hurt and getting hit by a truck, that that wasn't necessarily supposed to come out today. We it, prayed exactly. for it, and it didn't get here, and right. so I will accept that that wasn't <laughs> for today's story. Uh, it fell in a, a future edition. <laughs> You mentioned uh, Alex earlier, uh, and I listened to his podcast uh, a week ago or 
couple weeks ago really really enjoyed it so shout out to alex yeah man um because i uh haven't come across somebody that found their way to the rooms the way he did yeah it's a very unique thing Um, but i echo his sentiment regarding meditation so uh you know the 12 steps the program absolutely saved my life meditation has saved my sanity yeah you know uh and it's yeah it's a wonderful thing so if you got anything to take away i would say i know you suck at it yeah we all do do it anyway man yeah. it, it does practice i'd said before that uh i credit meditation uh as being like one of the most impactful things outside you know next to the 12 steps that actually made a huge change in my life. But the fact of the matter is it's part of the 12 steps. Mm, it's yeah. not outside or beside. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. actually part of, but I looked at it as a separate thing because I just couldn't get my head around it. Uh, and, and for whatever reason, I just couldn't, you know, I, I, but I had really good teachers coming in. Some, like I said, maybe shared at some point today that I had people around me that were devout meditators uh, from the get-go. So, again, that coming to believe and watching them and go, hmm, and I remember having the bell ringer moment on a meditation. I was going to that meditation meeting on Saturday mornings and, uh, and, and feeling good. And when I walked out of there, like a cushion of air out of my, and we were doing a group meditation and I was liking the fellowship portion of it. I was loving the meditation portion of it. And I walk out of there like I had padded air padded soles of my shoes every day. And one day it dinged on me that, you know, dude, you can do this at home too. <laughs> you can do this. And that actual day it was in December. And I think it was like a December the 18th, I think. And I made a commitment to begin to meditate. Uh, on a daily basis, myself, I said, "Okay, Dan, you're going let's." And that was prior to my sobriety date. Wow. P- prior to my current sobriety date, I was that was with that period of time where I was pretending to be sober. I was going to court. And I was doing all that stuff and pretending to be sober. Uh, and 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 said, "Hey." And now I'm not as good at it now as I used to be, as far as like my discipline. My discipline was really really good for a long time, but. Uh, it's still a big part of my 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 life, yeah. but uh, I had a really solid daily meditation practice for a long time, and that's not a daily thing anymore. I need to I need to course correct there. Actually, I you know I'm not as religious about it as I once was, uh, yeah. but I need to like you say course correct. I know it, it, my my days are better when I inject a little bit, and it doesn't take much. Yep, but yep. And I always said that if I, I would rather do a little bit than skip it. Yeah. I will do two minutes of a little bit, even though people go, well, that is not. I'll do two minutes rather than skip it if that's all I had time to do. Yeah. And today I'll find myself skipping it. Any concluding thoughts today? Any more that concluding thoughts? Yeah, that was right. <laughs> Alex's podcast was great. And uh, definitely I talked to him this morning for a little while. He called me uh, this morning. and. Alex is a hell of a dude. He went to two funerals yesterday. One of them for our friend that's in the program that passed away, a brother, and then uh, his guy he shared about the other night. He's had an influential person in his life that passed away, too. Uh, two, two funerals in one day is a tough cookie to swallow. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, I appreciate you greatly. Appreciate your time here on the podcast, man. And, uh, Thanks for having me. It's really cool stuff, man. Um, I, I love what above everything else and getting to hear this what i get to do that that touches me more than anything is i get to actually connect deeper to my friends across this table absolutely 
I know more about you now than I knew when you walked in. And that's mm-hmm. what one of the things we do is let each other, you know, that true definition of intimacy is uh, me being me and me letting you see me. And, and we do that here, you know. Uh, I like that. So we will close another episode down. Uh, the little tail end commercials of spiritualunderground.org. Uh, spiritual, spiritual hey, we sometimes I don't say it, but there's a Facebook page at Spiritual Underground. There's an uh, um, Instagram page. Uh, these things are on YouTube. Um, DTM is on Facebook, Instagram, and uh, DTMWW.net. Uh, there's a website out there called 12 Step Spiritual Recovery, and I think no matter how you spell it, it'll come out. Whether you use the number or words to write it out, you'll get there. If you have any trouble getting to any of those things, hit find one of them and contact me, and I will help you find them. Uh, 12 Step Spiritual Recovery by James Christopher Cohn. That book's on Amazon. Music's by Darren Frank. Uh, end it like I've been ending it lately a lot. Uh, I'm having a blast doing this recovery and nicotine quitting thing with you all. If you're not having fun in your recovery, it's your own damn fault. And thank you all for allowing me to participate in my recovery in this manner today. Peace out. Greetings, folks. This is the Colonel. You may remember me from episode 126 about nicotine recovery. Well, I'm here with this week's public quit announcement for those of you wishing to add nicotine to your recovery roster. This PQA is brought to you by DTM Woodworking and dedicated to Fury Councilman Kyle J. In the words of one of my dearest quit brothers, when I get a crave, I just go to my room, drop my pants, open the drawer of my nightstand, place my testicles in said drawer, and then slam it. Bammo, no more craving. Kind of extreme, you say? Well, since a craving can last an excruciating 3 to 20 minutes, some extreme measures may actually save you from starting the entire miserable process all over again, meeting another day one. Well, the most important part of dealing with a crave is knowing that it will go away on its own, but distractions tend to accelerate this. Things that help would be calling your quit brothers or venting in a support group, or even Kyle's god-awful technique mentioned above. What really works best for me, at least, is remembering how absolutely horrific my day one was and how I simply never want to relive that misery ever again. Bottom line is that cravings are a short-term irritant that tend to wreak havoc with our quids regardless of how many days we have under our belts. The secret is how we decide to cope with them. The veteran quitters are no better than you. They just have found a crave management technique that works for them. So before you go to the extremes like poor brother Kyle, except that a crave is just a red flag which your quit plan should be designed to rectify. Craves don't last any time at all, but a cave will take away all of your hard work and quit days in just a single moment of weakness. Trust me, I know. Well, my friends, this has been your PQA for the week. Take it from Dan and I. It all gets better, and you only need to worry about staying quit today, one day at a time. Quit on and carry on, my friends. Colonel Moco out.
always try to do everything they say Only give the things they would approve of Lock away all your dreams inside your head Year after year you try to be a good girl They never failed upon how when you were bad Work hard.